0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the high scores podcast i'm the host saji mcswain and before we get into today's sponsor please like and subscribe if you are watching on youtube and make sure you hit the follow button if you're listening on spotify and now on to our sponsor of the episode anchor and welcome back to the podcast like in last uh, week's, or not last week's, the week before last week, since I didn't have an episode last week, I did say that I will be uh, reviewing weekly sports content, and also I am now including the NHL in my content now that the season is over and it's going into the off offseason. Uh, I was planning on doing the NHL at the start of the podcast, but it was getting kind of near the end of the season in the NHL, so I decided not to cover it until it finished. And just last week, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, which I will talk about uh, later in the episode. And now I will be covering NHL now. Um, so I will start with um, Monday's topics from last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence signed a four-year, $36.8 million rookie deal, which that seems like one of the greatest rookie deals I've ever seen um, from a first, a first overall pick. Um, I mean, this is a pretty good, um, signing for the Jaguars. I mean, it was a good pick, um, but $36.8 million is a lot of money, uh, to give to a rookie that you don't know it, like you don't know how he's going to play in the pros. Uh, but I mean, this, this does seem like a really good, um, deal if, if he does pan out in the league. Um, this is a really good deal to keep him going and maybe sign him to an extension, um, and I think the Jaguars do have a team here that could be a really good team in the next few years. Or so, and the next topic on Monday surrounding the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks extended Nate McMillan to a four-year deal, which makes a lot of sense for the uh, for the Hawks. Sorry, uh, uh, Nate McMillan uh, coached for about half the season, I believe, with the Hawks. Um, and they ended up getting a playoff run and almost making it to the NBA Finals. Uh, they, you know, got out to the Bucks in, I believe, five games uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I mean, uh, Nate McMillan looks like a really good coach. And, it, and this is a really great extension for the Atlanta Hawks. And can't wait to see where this is going to go for them and the team. Uh, not much to discuss for Tuesday's topics. The Canadiens did survive Game 4 and prevented a sweep in the Stanley Cup Finals with beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime. Now, moving on to Wednesday's topics, Nikhil Harry requested a trade from the New England Patriots after two seasons with them at wide receiver. Um, Now, I was kind of surprised at this trade request because he hasn't really been a good wide receiver uh, for the Patriots, and I didn't really think his stock uh, would be that high. I mean, I think he's going to go for a late 6th or 7th round pick if he does end up getting traded, but he's had a pretty lackluster two seasons this past season, his second season in the league he had Cam Newton, a new quarterback, um, and uh, for a little bit earlier on in the season, he was Cam Newton's number one target, and he looked a little bit better. But later in the season, he did start to kind of go down. Uh, now that Cam Newton was out, uh, due to COVID, and then uh, the team started kind of doing worse. And then the first season, obviously, he was a rookie, so he didn't get that much play time. Um, and he didn't really do that good his rookie year either. Um, so, I mean, uh, I don't know what team would trade for Nikhil Harry at this point in time. Um, I'm not really too sure how many rosters he would be the starting wide receiver for. Um, but definitely a 6th or 7th round pick is what I think the Patriots are going to pursue if he does end up getting traded. Uh, now on to Thursday. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Uh, and now this is a two-peat for them. They won back-to-back, uh, 2020 and then 2021. Um, and I think the Lightning, uh, have a really good roster that they've had for the past few years or so, um, and they've continued to build off of it, uh, and I think this was pretty easy win for, uh, the Lightning and the Stanley Cup. It just didn't look like the Canadians were doing that good, uh, in game four, the Lightning did kind of have a defensive breakdown in that overtime, which led the Canadians to score that last goal there in that game. But then bounced back on game five, and they were just completely dominating the Canadians on the rink. Uh, it just looked like the Lightning were the better team, and which they have been for the past few years. And it just kind of made sense that the Lightning were going to move on. Uh, and win the Stanley Cup by the end of, you know, near the end of Game 5. With the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, Valeslevsky did win the Colin Smythe Award, which I believe is how it's pronounced, which is basically the series MVP for the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, And he had a really good season, a really good regular season and postseason. Uh, uh, He did end up second place for best goalie of the year um, behind Marc-Andre Fleury. Um and then uh his playoff stats for this uh year, he had twenty-three games played, uh one point nine goals allowed per game, uh 0.937 save percentage, five shutouts in the playoffs, only a seven so he's only lost seven games in the playoffs. Um and he's allowed forty-four goals the entire um entire uh playoffs, and he's had sixteen wins. And especially in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals, he did have a shutout, which did help the Lightning um, win that game. And then uh, in Game 1 and 2, he also had really uh, good, or Game 1, 2, and 3, he had really good games. Um, and then allowed the overtime goal in overtime in Game 4 against the Canadians, bounced back in Game 5 with a shutout. And I think he does deserve um, this award. Uh, for the series, I mean, he's doing really good. And then in the regular season, he was doing really good. So um, that's really good to see there. I think he does deserve the award because most goalies you see kind of do good in the regular season. that kind of dip off in like at the end of the regular season, kind of do bad in the postseason. Uh, kind of like what you saw with Marc-Andre Fleury this year, especially against the Canadians, where he kind of allowed a goal. Um, in a pivotal game three. Uh, And so, you know, um, but Valeslevsky has, you know, been really good, consistently good for the team. And I think um, that's a goalie to keep for a long time for the Lightning. On Thursday, Johnny Juzang did um, declare that he's moving out of the NBA draft and moving back into the NCAA market with UCLA. Um, now, the, um, the basketball or NCAA basketballs rules with players moving from the NBA draft and then moving back to college are a lot different from the NFL's because in the NFL, you can't really move out of the draft once you declare for the draft. But with uh, the NBA's rules and NCAA's rules, you can move from declaring from the NBA draft and moving back into college. Um, now, I think this most players have been uh, now going back into college uh, because of the NCAA, NCAA allowing uh, players to get paid from sponsorships. Which I, I feel like a lot of people were probably already going to Ju Zhang when he declared for the draft, saying that he would get a lot of sponsorships, and so then maybe he's moving back to college so he gets a little bit more play time, develop his um you know his develop his game and then while you know getting money not rushing uh to the NBA just yet um and I think this is a pretty good move for Ju Zhang going back to UCLA. He's pretty dominant there. Uh they almost made it to the national championship and I think UCLA could do it again uh now that Ju is back. The last topic on Thursday are that the Cavs are looking to trade up to the number one pick. I do believe that the Cavs have the number three pick and the Pistons have the number one pick. Uh, and I'm not too sure if the Pistons will trade their number one pick. I mean, this is a really good pick for the Pistons, uh, especially having a very young team with Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, um, and the older guys like Mason Plumlee and Jeremy Grant kind of leading the way for them to um, move forward in the league. And now that number one pick is definitely good for the Pistons. It looks like it's most likely going to be Cade Cunningham uh, if he is, if the Pistons are going to stay at the number one uh, pick. Um, And I don't think the Pistons will trade it. If they do, it'll probably have to be for a really big um, compensation for the number one pick, especially if it's the Cavs, maybe Colin Sexton or um, Darius Garland. I can't remember who was up on the trade market. For uh, the Cavs, I just heard uh, about yesterday, I think uh, that one of the players for the Cavs were, was on the trade block. Um, and so if if the Pistons could trade for that, I think that would be nice because um, both of those guys, both of those guards, are really young. Um, and they could trade for the number one pick um, with number three or in one of those guards. But I think it is good for the Pistons just to keep the number one pick. Um, and, you know, kind of move forward with Cade Cunningham and bring in that really young team that could go a long way. And as a Pistons fan myself, I do really hope that they keep the number one pick and they build off this young team that they already have. Um And they could do really good in the future. Moving on to Saturday's news, there wasn't much for Friday. Um... Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson, Robinson, sorry, are likely to play on a short on short-term deals. Now, uh, I do believe Allen Robinson was looking for a long-term deal, but it looks like he is maybe going to agree to a franchise tag, um, which is pretty good for the Bears because they're not wasting as much money on a good player. But he probably is uh, going to move from the Bears next season um if he doesn't get this long-term deal now Chris Godwin on the other hand uh he may be on his way out of the Buccaneers you know he finally got the ring with Tom Brady last season and he was kind of looking for a long-term deal kind of like Allen Robert Robinson but uh I don't think he's really particularly uh more on the long-term deal side as Allen Robinson um and so if he does get this uh this uh franchise tag on Chris Godwin uh, I'm not too sure um, if he's going to stay again for another year um, there was already people saying that he was going to leave this uh, off season, but it looks like he's going back um, to maybe get another ring it looks like they have the same they have the same team now so if he does go back there for another ring um, and if they don't get it he's probably just going to leave and go to another team in the off season. Um, and with Allen Robinson, if the Bears don't do good, I think, and uh, I think he's going to leave because they're not exploring that long-term deal option. Now with Sunday's news, Nigeria upset Team USA in pre-Olympic exhibition game. So um, this doesn't really worry me much for Team USA because uh, it is just an exhibition game. It's not the actual Olympics, so. I don't think they're really trying as hard, but this is a really good way for Nigerian players to show themselves in a a bigger market. I mean, beating Team USA, which are the best players in the NBA right now. Um, And I mean, Nigeria looked really good. Their team looked really good defensively, uh, especially that block on Kevin Durant. Um, They just looked really good. Um, and they, I think they won off of a game winning three or maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. I know the score was 93 to 90. Um, and, uh, Nigeria could be a team to watch in, uh, in this year's Olympics. Uh, and I mean, I will be kind of rooting for them as they are the underdogs, uh, cause team USA usually is always the winner. Um, but hopefully this is not another Olympic team where they had with LeBron and them um, back in like 2016, I think, or not 2016. I can't remember the year that they had uh, LeBron and all those players and they ended up getting bronze. Maybe this is the same team again for Team USA, but I mean, Nigeria, team to watch for in the Olympics. They are the underdogs. Team USA, I don't know. They might have to step it up or maybe they just weren't trying because it's an exhibition game but um uh, Nigeria is going to be a team to watch and very exciting team to watch And this year's Olympics. Now moving on to the last topic of the episode and the last topic on Sunday the Bucks won game 3 uh led by Giannis with another 40 point performance. Looks like the Suns just couldn't handle Giannis for another game, which I thought would happen. I did say Suns are winning the series in 5 and I knew that this team was going to be able to, um, the Bucks team was going to be able to uh, capitalize on maybe the Suns not being able to, uh, you know, keep up with Giannis or uh, keep up with, like, how many people are going to be, like, on that team shooting-wise. Um, but uh, Cam Johnson's dunk on P.J. Tucker was a dunk to watch for a long time that was a great dunk. He almost jumped over BJ Tucker on that one. Uh and I think um you know Cam Johnson looks like a really good uh rising star for the Suns. Um and the Bucks look really good um led by Giannis, but I don't really know how many 40-point games Giannis is going to have this uh in the playoffs. I mean, it looks like the Bucks really need Giannis to average about like 40 points a game for them to at least win one game in a series. I mean, he did average 40, but the rest of the team, or he did average 40 in game three, but the rest of the team were kind of uh, not doing as well. Um, but, or I mean, sorry, game two. Game two, he had 40-point game. And then game three, another 40-point game. Um, and so I'm not too sure uh, if the Bucks can keep on relying on Giannis. Now for the Suns. I think they also are going to need to limit the ball with Giannis. They're going to have to force Giannis to not go inside, make him pass the ball because Giannis hasn't really been developing or he's been developing his mid-range shot but it's not uh that lethal, I'd say. So when he does go inside, you want to force him to go outside and make him pass the ball to maybe, you know, not just not people that are good at shooting, uh like PJ Tucker, he's not really a shooter. That, like, uh, like Chris Milton or Drew Holiday on that team. So that's one person that you could maybe force the ball to. Um, uh, and Brooke Lopez did show that he was really good, uh, against the Hawks in that, uh, final game, game six, I believe. Um, so I mean, maybe Brooke Lopez, but you do not want to let Giannis inside if you're the Suns and kind of force him to pass the ball. And then if you're the Bucks, um, like I said before in game one, I think the Bucks really need to stop, um, like kind of needing, or no, I didn't say this game one. I said it, uh, during the Bucks-Hawks series, the Bucks need to stop kind of depending on Giannis for these forty-point games, and kind of need these other players to step up, which they have in the Hawks series, but I haven't really seen them stepping up in the Sun series. So, um, I'm I'm not too sure if the Bucks are gonna win another game. I don't think so. I think the Suns are, you know are going to bounce back from this one and win two straight and win the NBA Finals in Game 5. Thank you for uh, listening or watching all the way through if you're watching on YouTube, um, and see you in the next one. Thank you.